Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast that you can hear every week on NWI.com and on iTunes. I'm here alongside Parker Gatewood at Parker B. Gatewood on Twitter. And I'm Paul Oren at NWI Oren. And we're in a different spot. We, we're, we're this mobile. is refreshing, Paul. I have to say, I love your office, but this one it has a it has a, a cooler ring right now. It's new, you know. It is new. It's a nicer office. There's some good stuff on the walls. There's some good memorabilia in here, and a nice person sitting next to us. <laughs> a fantastic person, I would say. We are joined by Valparaiso Director of Athletics, Mark Labar. Pleasure to be here, and thanks for giving me more props than the memorabilia. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the, I mean, the stories in this office, the media passes that you've got, the... Uh, There's a lot of history. You have bobbleheads of old crusaders here. You've got the dedication football from Brownfield. There's a lot of fun stuff in here that I'm sure for you, when you walk in here, it's you see it every day, but... To the outsiders, I think it's a lot of fun stuff. It's very cool. It is a lot of fun stuff. My favorite, probably my one outing as a head coach, um, right there, memorialized uh, with the men's and women's golf team. Was that that down down in uh, Florida? That was down in Florida when we were in a transition, and someone had to chaperone, and and I got to. And uh, as you can see, I was designated as the men's head coach. How was that experience? It was great. It was a great group of of kids. Um, Those were our, our initial recruits. Uh, those teams, and um, it was a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, there was uh, that women's golf team was just back at the Ark on Saturday night. They uh, they got together. A lot, many of them uh, came back to uh, just hang out with each other, and it's always uh, always fun to see the alums come back. It was Hall of Fame weekend. How special of a weekend is that for you? It is probably, not probably, it is one of my favorite uh, evenings of the year. Um, just to be able to, to meet them and talk and celebrate with them, um, Many of them, um, I didn't get the opportunity to uh, watch compete, so it's great to hear their Velpo stories, hear about their Velpo experience. And now we're to the point, I've been here long enough, now we're, we're talking to people that I did get to watch compete, which is uh, a great fun in itself. So, for instance, this year, Natalie, um, to be able to, to induct her and to talk to her and see her family again, it's, it's just a great, great evening. Well, let's jump right into it. It's year one in the Missouri Valley Conference, and we'll get to basketball specifically mm-hmm. here in a little bit, but... What have you liked about the change? What are some challenges you're facing? And, and I guess the bigger question is, what do you know today that you didn't know on July 1st? <laughs> well, one of, one of the things we, we, we didn't know on July 1st that we know now is that everybody was going to continue to get better in the Valley. So as we looked at it and we looked at um, where they had been historically in a lot of the sports, they've actually gotten better. Um, so that, that step up is really been we knew it was going to be a big step up um, but that step up um, in a number of the sports has been more than we anticipated now um, that doesn't change our planning that doesn't change the way that we're approaching it um, it's just been wow this is um, this is good this league is really good in a lot of things what how much work goes into changing so we had you on the episode number 24 of the podcast <laughs> we had you on I think in April and I think Parker and I we had an idea that a conference change was imminent, and I think we tried to right. dance with you mm-hmm. around a couple of different questions. We asked what goes into changing all of that, but 
you knew, I think, in May that you were going to make the change, but it doesn't mm -hmm. happen to July 1st. Is it as simple as saying on June 30th, you're a member of the Horizon League, July 1st, you're in the Valley? What? How much work goes into changing conferences? Uh, well, <clears throat> I mean, the work involved is um, – it, it, it's just that there's obviously a transition. So we had to do a branding transition. So we had to make sure that all of our uniforms had the right logos on them for the uh, for the Valley. We had to redo the basketball court. We had to do redo signage and um, a number of other facilities. So um, we had to get that done. Um, once once we got the, the Valley membership set, then we had to figure out what we were going to do. We had uh, two teams specifically, men's tennis and men's swimming, uh, what we're going to do with those. So now we need to have a conversation with the Summit League um, and to make sure that we would have a place for them to compete for, for championships. Um, so, I mean, those were things. And then the last piece is just getting to know all new people. Um, now suddenly we, we're in a, a conference, Not uh, you're in a conference with um, different administrators, different officials. They do business differently. They're organized a little differently. You're now in a room with um, athletic directors that you – that me personally, I only knew two of them. So there's seven people that I need to get to know. Um, just figure out what's their thinking. How do they go about uh, doing their business? So um, that takes a little adjustment. So those were, um, I mean, that, that's probably the transition. As far as the teams, I don't think the teams did anything differently than they'd done in the past. The, the goal is always to be um, better at the end of the year than you were at the beginning of the year. So everybody's always planning, like, what do we need to do? Um, how can we – those are the conversations. What are the things we're going to try to accomplish this year? So that didn't change for them. Um, now, we did have to learn new teams. We did have to figure out new travel, um, all of that. Um, so th so they had that on top of their normal conversations about what are we going to try to do to get better this year. You kind of already touched on it a little bit with the facilities aspect of things. But I kind of wanted to know because we talk about the teams and the coaches mm -hmm. all the time, but for just the athletic staff, in general, how was the transition for them? You know, facilities management, ticket offices, everyone in staff. Uh, well, everybody now has different people to deal with than they have in the past. So the compliance office is dealing with a whole new compliance staff. Um, the ticket manager is dealing with um, somebody different, um, and they handle their um, tickets. Primarily, we're talking about tournament tickets. Um, they're handling their their tournament tickets differently. So um, she's got to learn um, a new process, uh, um, uh, new procedures. Um, it's as far as the event, uh, some of the internal stuff, um, not so much for the facilities, but once again, event management, they have a whole different event book, um, event, how they want to see events run. They've, um, there was a whole, a whole series of small things that we had to do. They handle the officials differently. Um, they have a requirement that there be a, a clock in the visiting basketball locker rooms, which is not something that the Horizon League had. So there were a number of small things we had to go through. So, um, Shannon Yates and Eric Weiler, who are um, in charge of events and facilities, they had to read through the event manual for the league and and say, okay, we're doing this, we're not doing that, and, and make sure we're in compliance with that, all that stuff. So, yeah. Speaking of the Horizon League, things didn't exactly end with a hug and a handshake. <laughs> uh, the Horizon League, I don't, I, I don't even know if you could talk about this, but the Horizon League sued Valpo in the Missouri Valley Conference, and they, they sued them for saying all sorts of different things. But uh, can you make any comment as to where things stand at the moment, or, or how did the end days in the league kind of play out? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just say say this. I really, I really don't have um, anything I can or can say about the lawsuit. Um, I'll just say um, we continue to have, and I personally continue to have, a, a really strong relationship with the, the schools, our former uh, – um, the, the, 
my colleagues at the at the um, former member or not the former members, the, but the members of the Horizon League, still talk to some of them on a regular basis. I think we have a really strong relationship with them. I think it, it is um, unfortunate the way um, things ended with the Horizon League, but you know that's just uh, the way business goes. Sometimes people have different views on 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 what should happen and that just happens to be the case and I'm 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 sure at some point that that everybody's going to sit down and talk it through and, and it's going to get settled so uh, you kind of touched <laughs> on this already but you know when you were in the Horizon League everyone competed in the same league with the exception of football and bowling mm-hmm. now just with the way Valley doesn't host every sport men's tennis men's swimming so now you've got you know a couple of the teams in the Summit League uh, swimming has got the same head coach for both, and they kind of mm-hmm. had to, you know, they had the conference championships in different places. What are some of the challenges that you face as an athletic department in dealing with kind of being spread out now over four different conferences? Yeah, it it, it is interesting. Um, the the good news is we had an ongoing relationship with the Summit League. Uh, Tom Dupel, who's the commissioner, who was the commissioner when we were members of the MidCon, know Tom real well. So we we had some good conversations, and he was real helpful in in um, getting the swim team and the tennis team um, in there. Um, you know, on the most part, they, the kids really don't know the difference. Um, they just know that they're going to compete. They know that they have championships in. Swimming was the uh, the most uh, challenging because we do have uh, the, uh, Mary McGeth, who's the head coach for both the men and the women. And this year, the championships are around the same weekend. So um, Coach McGeth needed to take the women um, to the Missouri Valley Championship. And then Andrea Brettel, who's the assistant coach, Coach Brettel took the men to South Dakota for the Summit League Championship. We're hopeful that this coming year that those um, – um, championships will be on different days, so we won't we won't have that that challenge. But you know, as far as the kids are concerned, I don't I don't think they know the difference. Um, everybody's still here in the building. Um, everybody sees each other. They they support each other the whole time. So I, I, from their perspective, I, I don't think there's really any difference. Um, from certainly from the department's view, there from our perspective, there's no difference. Uh, we treat everybody the same still. Uh, so I, I I think it's um, I, don't, I don't really haven't hasn't been a big deal to this point so you talked about how you know the players they just go out there and compete same with the coaches one of the things I was curious about was where their overall contentment level was with switching the Missouri Valley so I I assume that it's it's just it's good yes Uh, I think it's good for the most part Uh, um, you know if you look at it from this standpoint um, nobody wants to move down in the standing so so when you go in a league that's tougher and now the coaches are saying you know looking at an end result where well, you know, they came in sixth. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure the last time volleyball came in sixth right. in a league. But when you when you you do look at the other pieces of that, so when I talk to Karen and we talk to the members of the team, they're like, holy smokes, the environment that we compete in, some of the venues we go to and the crowds that they get, this is so much, I mean, this is exciting. We're, we're really fired up about this. Same thing with the postseason tournament, the way that they handle their volleyball championship. I mean, the kids were really excited about it, um, the way they do their awards. So, yeah, everybody would like – everybody's goal is to finish as high in the standings, and they would like to see that happen. Um, but at the same time, when they um, when they look at the overall experience that the kids are having and the way things are run and the opportunities they have, the, some of the venues they get to compete in, um, the kids, they, they like it. And um, I, I'm sure – uh, they will step up, um, and we will raise the level of our game just like we did when we moved from the MidCon to the Horizon League. There was a, 
a, a period in there. It took about three years. Um, it took us a time to get adjusted, and we'll see the same thing here. But everybody stepped up their game. The kids stepped up their game. The coaches stepped up their game. And I expect – I already can see the same thing happen. I can see it happening already. Let's step away from the Valley for a second, and let's talk football. Uh, I've watched – I mean, I've been at a lot of these games over the past – you know, dozen years. I've watched you nervously walk the sidelines <laughs> many times. How satisfying was it for you to 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 see this team? You, I mean, we, we've seen them turn the corner for the last couple of years, but to really kind of come around the mountain and really to cap it off with one of got to be the, one of those most memorable plays I've ever seen. Yeah, it it it, it felt really good. I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, it, it felt really good. <laughs> and and uh, and I would uh, you know be honest and say that there's been a number of moments in my time here as athletic director that, that football that didn't feel good at all. Uh, matter of fact, we're we're quite frustrating um, so that felt really good to, to, to see that and and um, particularly from my perspective knowing that we have over the time I've been here we have been investing in football we have been trying to make decisions that would move it forward and and then to be frustrated to not see that happen uh, but now to be to the point where um, those investments are paying off um, to see the success of the kids that that's really what it comes down to um, you know, I tell everybody, nobody ever comes here to be on a losing team. I mean, you, you see these kids, you get personally invested in them. Um, I, I, I go to recruiting weekends for football. Um, I typically talk to the group, talk to the parents. I get to meet them when they're still considering and then to see them come. Um, so now to see those kids have success, um, to see what that means to them, to see that the, the work that's actually paid off, um, that's really very, very satisfying. And, um, yeah, it, it was a it was a nice moment, uh, but there's a lot of work went into that by by a lot of people. You said last year on the podcast we talked about uh, when we started off talking last year it was we had to talk about Bryce Drew and him leaving, and, and the idea was he was always going to be courted for a bigger mm-hmm. job down the line. I've and, and that you were prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I've got to believe that if Dave Chikini continues to be successful he's going to get some of those same kind of calls mm-hmm. and conversations. He got a coach, a contract extension after the season, but is this just kind of the nature of the beast that you have to deal with as being the athletic director when coaches succeed that I'm sure that more and more schools will look at them? That is the nature of it if you're going to be an athletic director at a mid-major school. that That's just the reality of it. Um, our goal is to go out and find good coaches. And if we're successful in that, and we hope we are, um, and they do well, then they're going to have opportunities to go to bigger schools. And um, we just have to manage to that because as was demonstrated, I think very clearly when Bryce had the opportunity at Vanderbilt, um, well, Valparaiso University will never be in the position, I don't believe, to pay a basketball coach two and a half million dollars. So, um, you know, that's just the nature of, but, you know, we're not unique in that. Um, many schools are in that same situation. I mean, it happens all the time. So um, we have to be thoughtful. We have to be forward-thinking a little bit, and we just have to be planning for that. And quite honestly, I'd rather be planning for that than for planning for, man, what am I going to do because this isn't working out? Um, You know, the planning planning ahead is like, hey, we're doing well. Um, How are we going to manage this going forward is much more enjoyable than trying to figure out what to do when programs are, are struggling. Switching to men's basketball now, uh, I think it's safe to say we could all agree that this year hasn't gone any, the way that anyone really thought for any number of reasons. Uh, obviously, there's a transition from the 28th-ranked league mm-hmm. to the 8th-ranked league mm-hmm. that can't be lost, and, and I think we probably don't overstate that enough. Um, but last place is, is just not what people are used to. 
how do you take this year? What are the conversations like with Matt Loddick? How's he doing with this? Was what? I mean, you knew it'd be a transition. How 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 tough is it to go through the transition? Uh, well, it's hard. We're not we're not lo- used to losing. We're not used to being in tenth place. That that's for sure. Um, let's talk about Matt first. I mean, one of the reasons we hired Matt, and one of the reasons that um, he came. Uh, you know, ended up um, kind of coming to the top as, as the candidates was his passion uh, for basketball and his strong competitive desire. Because we knew moving forward um, that we were going to have to have somebody there was uh, was was a strong competitor, somebody that was tough. Uh, what people don't appreciate about Bryce, I don't think, is that Bryce was a really strong competitor, and Bryce was a tough competitor. People, you know, they they kind of saw him and they said the baby face or whatever. I don't think people really appreciated his actual his personality as a competitor. Um, so um, Matt was very much in that in that mold, and um, like Bryce, um, you know, Matt not used to being part of a team that's not doing well. Um, so that's hard, but that's good. Those are the kind of co- people you want as coaches. You want coaches that take losing poorly. Um, now they got to be able to channel that in the right way. Um, so now, as far as the transition, what we expected. So um, when we were looking at it, now everybody's talking about, well, we've gone from the to the, the 26th ranked league to the 8th uh, ranked league. Okay, that's this year. But if you take a step back to last year, yeah. you're talking about the difference between uh, 11 and 19. So, you know, we're looking at that, and you're looking at how that conference I- I appears, and you're saying, okay, we think that we can reasonably compete at this level as far as basketball. Well, now we get in. It's like I was saying about their sports. Well, wait a minute. It's a lot better. So <laughs> it's it's a lot better um, than it was even last year. Um, I looked back just um, out of interest to look at the year that Loyola joined. Now, um, the year that Loyola joined, they were also 11th-ranked team, uh, but I believe there were three teams that were sub-200 RPI teams. Yeah. Well, and even I, as, as much as Valpo struggled this year, they're at 185 in the RPI. That's right exactly now. right, and 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 we are the we are the weak we are the weakest RPI team in the league at 185. When when Loyola joined, there were teams there were I think three, and I'm sure people will go check me that were sub 200, and some of them significantly um, um, weaker than 200. So um, the league is much different. So we were. I guess you could say fortunate to get in when the league is really strong. And 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 to point out, well, they were 11 with a Wichita State that was like a top 20 RPI. So um, the league the league this year has made meaningful progress from where it was. It might have lost a top 10 RPI team in Wichita State, but everybody's up their game. Everybody. Um, so that transition, um, you know, it was more than than we when we looked at it um, in May. Um, but that's good. I tell people that's good. If we always say that our goal is to win in the NCAA postseason, our goal is not to get into it. Our win, our goal is to win. And if you want to win NCAA postseason games, you need to be in a conference like the Missouri Valley Conference this year. That kind of competition prepares you to have success in the postseason. So would we have liked to have joined in a year where there were teams were a little weaker? Of course, but this is where we need to be. This is where we need to be if we're going to reach our goals. And it's good. I hope it stays this way. I hope it's the, uh, the eighth-ranked team next year, and we need to step up our game. Fans, I know they've let both mm. Paul and I know on Twitter, you know, they've been generally mm. unimpressed with this season for men's basketball. But 
I mean, you've already talked about how teams have upped their game and are going to continue to do that. How confident are you that men's basketball will rise to the occasion, and how quickly do you think that could possibly turn around? Well, you know, I, I, I'm confident that that we will raise the occasion. You know, it's interesting to me if you look back at the transition to the um, to the Horizon League. So, people, the first year we were in the Horizon League, we we actually came in fourth. We were nine and nine, I believe. And you had a lot of seniors. Uh, we had a lot of seniors and juniors. We we had a fairly um, we had a fairly experienced team. We did have two underclassmen that were um, significant contributors. We had Sam Hampa who was a sophomore, and we had Brian Bushi, who was a freshman, both significant contributors. Um, after that first year, they both left for different reasons. Brian wanted to be closer to home. He, he transferred to Evansville, and um, Sam went to Europe to play professionally. That next year had three seniors on it, people forget. They had Jake Diebler, Eurelia Igbavoa, and Brandon McPherson. That team came in ninth and only won nine games total. In the Horizon League, I mean, I mean, we were in the Horizon. We only won nine games. It was that year that we had to reevaluate the talent that we had and who did we have on the team. And there was some transition on that team. Um, that next year, uh, because of some of that transition and the um, scholarships that opened up, that next year had a freshman class that included um, um, Ryan Brokoff and Matt Kenny. That was the basis for the teams that then got us to those Horizon League championships. Um, we also, I believe, had Brandon Wood, who had to sit out because he came in as a tr- – uh, was there Brandon? Corey, Corey Johnson. Corey Johnson. Out. I'm sorry, Corey. I'm getting Corey. Corey Johnson sat out. So when you know when you look at those transitions, and, and I always remind people, we had a year to think about that transition when we moved into the Horizon League. Um, this time we only had a couple of months, and the recruiting was done. So – Similar things have happened. I mean, I could say we lost a significant contributor when we lost Joe Burton. Right. So the team looks much different. So it's a process. Um, we figured out the right kids to recruit. You could see that when in that neck, that third year we were in when we brought in um, Ryan, when we brought in Matt, um, some of the people that came in behind that. Eric Bugs was uh, Eric Bugs um, might have been the, the the year before. But he, once he again, came in, uh, he if I remember things like correctly, one of the first recruits yeah. once you joined right. the Horizon League. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to take time. It's going to be a process, just like it was then. Um, but I see the same things happening. Um, I know that the that the coaches understand what a Valley player looks like, and it does look a little different than a Horizon League player. The style's different. Um, I, I won't get into it. Matt's talked about it a lot, but the defense is much different. The way they play defense is much different in this league. So um, they'll figure it out, and, um, and recruiting is the number one key right now. There's no question. Um, we need to find the right player. We've got, we've got Missouri Valley players on our team. We just need more of them. That's the key. One of the really interesting things that, that everyone's noticed this year has been attendance. You averaged just over 2,714 home games, which is down from about just over 3,000 last year and 17 home games. In conference, the uh, the Valley, you know, there's been more uh, opposing fans here. I, th- I wasn't sure if there would be how they, they would travel, but you went from an average of 3,409 Horizon League games last year to 2,700 this year. Is this a product of 14 and 16? Is this a product of only having one Saturday night home game? What what do you what do you look at? With well, this? I would tell you this: that losing uh, four or five consecutive games is a very weak marketing plan. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I, you know, there was excitement when we started. Um, we won eight. We won our first eight games. There was excitement. There were some good crowds early on. 
Um, there was excitement about being in the Valley and the schools that would be coming in. Um, but then um, when we lost Joe and the complexion of the team changed a little bit, and then we got into the Valley play and, and we didn't start well, well, then you could see things kind of starting to slip. And like I said, it's it's hard. Um, it, it just is. It's hard if you're not winning to get people to come regardless of how excited they are. Now, I would say this. The people that do come are all like, wow, this is really good basketball. Do I wish we'd won? Yeah, of course I will. But they'll say, but wow, this is really good basketball. This is a lot more fun to watch than some of the games we saw in the Horizon League. And that's just a reflection on the fact that the, the league is so good. All the teams that come in are good. Um, so uh, we'll see. Um, we, once the season's done, uh, we will reevaluate re the way we market, um, particularly the way that we've been marketing to students. We've already been having those conversations. A lot of that plan is done early on, so a lot of that, the, the way things are going, there's, there's kind of a structure to it. Um, we're going to have to reevaluate some things. We're going to have to um, – we already, we're already talking through things that we, I think we need to do differently. Um, and we'll, 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 you'll see a little difference next year. Um, but, um, my, my hope is that next year, um, based on what I know about the team and stuff that we will continue to get better. And, and I think as we do better on the court, you'll, you'll, you'll clearly see more people. Can you give any insight about, you know, student attendance? Cause we talk, we talk, you know, we sit up on the track, the games, yeah. we talk about the student section all the time and it's just been, you know, it's been dwindling with each game and I don't know whether that's. Greek life thing or if it's students just in general or you know when like when I came here as a freshman Ryan broke off you know mm -hmm. he was a senior and just last year you know Alec Peters those are both NBA caliber players is that like is that what it's going to take for students or what do you think I don't know it's great you're you're in closer in age to a student than I am I mean I don't know what, what I'd love to hear your thoughts uh I do know um a couple things first student attendance is down across the country I mean, this is not unique to us. Um, it's down everywhere. I mean, even big schools. I mean, like Duke. I mean, I was reading this story article. This might have been a year ago now about, hey, Duke doesn't necessarily fill up the Cameron Crazies every game anymore for some of those non-conference games. used to be a, uh, a given that they would have completely full, and it's not. So, um, you know, college kids have have different interests now. They have a, They have a lot more distractions, I guess, if you want to say it that way. Um, the other thing is, I guess, we just need to – I, I guess I we're we're we don't know. I guess right. is what I'm going to say. We we've been thinking it through. We've been having a lot of conversations. Uh, we're going to need to do more talking to our own students. We've tried all the things that traditionally got students here. We gave away T-shirts. We gave away free food. We had we had contests for things. You know, it wasn't the same game, did yeah, you? we actually yeah. one game we actually gave them a free T-shirt and a free Jimmy John sandwich. Right. And we I was still looking for my student ID. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, those are all the things that traditionally would fill up the students. Or it used to be if a combination say, hey, it's on national television and we're going to give you a free T-shirt, they would fill up automatically. Well, not the case. Um, so there's been some shifts among our students. We've been trying to figure those out, exactly what they are. Um, and they'll, they'll say we started those conversations. We, we did make some changes in the way we marketed to students um, the back half of the year. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't. So um, we're going to continue those conversations. We will have more um, conversations. We'll probably run some focus groups with our students um, now the season's over and, and see what we can find out from them. You know, the, I'll say this, too. I want to say this last thing. Here's, this is a little frustrating. We see students sitting there now, 
we see a lot of students in the building. They just don't sit in the student section. Right. So the question is, how do we actually get them into the student section? Sure. So um, that's part of, I don't know, There's obviously, there must be, I don't know, is there a social stigma? You tell me. We got about sitting in the student section now? I, or? I, say, I, mean, I stopped sitting in the student section after my freshman year. That was because I went to you know, cover games yeah. and do media. So I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there is, and maybe we need to rethink the way we we seed people. I, I, one thing I noticed at Loyola, I will just tell you this: is their students don't sit in the ends. Their students actually sat mid court. Oh, they were sitting right behind. me. They were sitting right behind the media table. They were great. They were, so I don't know. Maybe They've we changed. need to rethink. So they did change it. Their students used to be in the end zones, and at some point they they rethought it and they put them right smack in the middle of the building. So I know I don't know maybe that's something we need to consider maybe we need to sit other people at the end and maybe we need to move the students so everything at this point um, everything is up for consideration I, I think it would be an interesting visual if the students were directly across the uh, the camera line from the court mm-hmm. yeah. you know I don't but again I mean you it's hard to do it in the chairbacks because you've had season ticket holders that have had those particular seats for years well, but on the other side on maybe, the other side and I would say that when I was at North Carolina State the students sat behind the visiting bench. So the visitors got, um, I don't know, two or three rows of seats, and then everything behind that was students, um, which can lead to some interesting things <laughs> at some time. So um, I don't know. We, we, we need to – I'm not saying I necessarily want to put our students behind the visiting bench, but um, I think at this point we're open to exploring anything. But we need them to come out. They it, they bring the energy to the building for the most part. They really do. When they come out in numbers, they're great. They're they're great supporters, and it's their team. I mean, it's their it's their fellow students. It's their school. Um, they should be here. I'd like to think they should be here. Matt Loddick recently spoke at a sportsmanship dinner in front of about thirty high school boys basketball teams. Uh, that is an annual event. It was the sixty fourth annual event. You were at this event. I was there. Yes, I was. Uh, the media reports from the event were that Coach Loddick gave an, a brilliant speech, and he did his best to kind of open the doors. Of Valpo to Lake County. Mm-hmm. Has that been a, a just a consistent theme throughout your time here of, of trying to figure out in a in a region where Notre Dame, Purdue, and IU is still very prevalent, how do you how do you guys try to get into areas other than Porter County? Um, that's a good question, and I would tell you that uh, we are in the final stages of, of redoing the athletic strategic plan, but one of the things that will be in it this year is um, a comprehensive engagement plan with Northwest Indiana. So we do need to do a better job. We've, we've tried a number of things um, to get a broader um, fan base um, in Northwest Indiana. They haven't worked, but I, I think one of the keys to it will be exactly what you just said. Um, Matt Loddick is a very dynamic speaker. I mean, I was there. He did a, a, an amazing job. And, and there was a media member there um, who told me he's been to, I don't know, 15 of them in a row. And he said that he thought Matt was probably, if not the best, one of the best ones he's heard in the time he's been here. Um, um, so we want to try to get him um, out more. The other thing that I know will help us is um, when we have more Northwest Indiana athletes. So to have Malik on the team, I think that's really good. I'm actually counted up, and you know you'll probably ask me, but um, we have 28, I believe, Northwest Indiana um, kids in the department. Um, um, interestingly, the most represented high school is Crown Point. Yeah. Um, so we, we we are getting kids from Lake County. We just need to get more of the fans to come over. But I think um, the better we can do with um, keeping some of those kids here, um, we'll get more interest. Um, but we're going to try. We are going to be more purposeful in getting out into Lake County and, and interacting with them. 
um, to know that um, we want them to know that we understand we're part of the region. They're they're part of the region. We are their hometown team. We like to say that we're the only Division One team in Northwest Indiana. We understand the draw to the big programs, but at the same time, um, we're part of the region, so we're we're going to be a little more purposeful um, in what we do with that this year. Yeah, women's basketball hasn't quite turned the same corner that football has, but they're far more competitive this season. Mm-hmm. I feel I had a chance to go to the two games, two home games this past weekend. They dropped one in double overtime, and then they played a really tough game against a, a very good Missouri State team. Uh, more competitive this year despite losing another player to a torn ACL, their starting point guard. Right. I guess kind of what's your assessment as to how they've transitioned into the Valley and, and where that program is at right now? I think they've transitioned well. Um, as you mentioned, that we are much more competitive in the league. Um, all of our games have been close. This last weekend we took uh, two of the top teams um, right down to the wire. We lost uh, S- uh, Southern in overtime. Uh, we, we're playing really well. Um, we've done a good job of recruiting. The the group of each class has been really strong, I think. Um, so um, there's definitely some um, positives about that program. Um, the fact that we're more competitive in the league is, is clearly a, a, a positive. Um, so um, there are some good things happening. Let me let me ask about recruiting because that's something that uh, I, you know I, I I reached out to a few people on Twitter and said that we were going to be having this mm-hmm. conversation and and one of the unique questions that people kept throwing at me that they wanted to ask was about recruiting what you know knowing that you're in a in a program now with I looked at the numbers the budgets that are much bigger for some of these schools what what can be done for recruiting I guess how much more emphasis has to be placed on it. Well, recruiting is the number one priority right now. Um, as I said, we have um, some Valley players. We just need to have more Valley players. Um, we're obviously losing two significant c- contributors. Now we got um, people coming in. So um, that's going to be an important part. What What's a little different for us than the other schools is um, because of our nature as a private school, um, because of our academic standards, um, there are people that we're confident would come here, but we know they're not going to be a good fit for our culture. So we need to be more thoughtful. So the challenge for us is is it takes more looking. It takes a, a big – we have to cast a wider net to be able to find those people because there are, um, there are um, players that probably would play at other Valley schools, and I'm not – I want to be thoughtful about it when I say this. They're good people. Um, I'm sure they'll be good contributors and they'll be good citizens at the schools they go to. But because of the way our academic standards are, they're just not good fit for our, our, our campus, our community. So we just have to be um, – we just always have to cast a little bigger net. It just takes more time um, and it just takes more effort. So It's, it's got to be a tough situation with – like in Joe, it's, it's like – you obviously want the players to succeed right. here, but is there at least a bit of, uh, hey, if, if 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 they can't hack it, we're not going to compromise our values we're for, not, you know, success on the court? Well, that that's for sure. Um, we've I've said the whole time I've been here, I mean, we are committed to winning. There's no question we are committed to winning, but we are not committed to winning at all costs. So there is a, there is a Velpo experience. Um, there is a, we have a certain um, culture here, and we need to be faithful to that culture and to who we've been for many, many years. Um, you know, we can make, I, I could say when you look at the history of the 
uh, the athletics department and the university and the basketball program, um, we've been faithful to our culture and, and to our um, our identity for a long time. And so we're going to have to be consistent for that. Um, Joe was a, was a wonderful young man. He really was. Um, we, we were happy that he was here. Uh, but at the same time, he 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 academically, he, he just, um, you know, he he wasn't a good f- I don't want to say he wasn't a good fit, but he just couldn't get done when he needed yeah. to get done. So we want to be um, fair to everybody. It's not fair to, for us to bring people here um, that can't be successful. Um, so we want to be thoughtful about about how we do that and, and who we bring in. To, to kind of tie to things that you talked about together, you said need to bring more Missouri Valley players. We have mm-hmm. some already, but, but need to bring more in. And then also talked about Northwest Indiana as a, as a mm-hmm. location to try to bring them in. Is it is is that? Do you think you can get all those players from the area, or is it going to take? Going no, we're not going to get them all. Too? We're not going to get them all from the area. Um, we're going to have to once again cast a wider net. We've always done that. Right. Um, we've always gotten players from um, around the country. We've got international players. You know, the other thing I'd say too is um, it's always interesting to see. We could have kids on our on our roster right now that aren't Missouri Valley players now, but they might be a year from now sure. or two years from now, and so you you got to um, you, you you've got to you, being a coach is a hard thing because you have to make and I'm glad I don't have to do it. I'll say this: you have to make decisions on what your roster going to look like. I always tell people everybody looks at those kids that are like one through eight because they're the kids on the floor most of the time, but everybody's got thirteen. And 12 and 13 are really, really important, too, because if you, you've got to have the right kids at 12 and 13 to make your team successful because there's got to be somebody who's willing to be out there every day, to practice hard, to make the team better, knowing that they may not get on the floor for weeks at a time. But you need them. They're important. Um, so, and, and sometimes those kids do grow to be what you need them to be. So, you know, f- for coaches to try to make those decisions um, – and try to help everybody be better um, at the end of the year. That's a hard thing, and it's harder, I think, than than people appreciate. And one thing that we don't do here at Valpo, um, we don't we don't just run people off. We don't say, "Hey, you're not good enough. Get out." Um, if if people are committed and if they want to try to put in the work and say, "I think I can do it," um, understanding what their role might be. I mean, those people are they're part of our program, so um, it's just a little bit different. Um, I tell people when I was at NC State, there was no qualms. The coaches had no qualms about recruiting over the top of people. Uh, you're not getting it done, so sorry. Um, we don't have time to wait. So it's a little – it's different. It's different, but it's who we are. And it's good. I like it. I, I, I prefer it, actually. It's kind of funny that you mentioned how important 12 and 13 is, how they might rise, someone we always talk about, John Kaiser. That's right. right? Yeah, yeah. Kaiser has certainly that was interesting. evolved his way into a Valley player at this point. Yeah. I mean, the guy's been ripping down rebounds left and right. I want to ask, uh, we talked about this last year when you were on the podcast. Um, I had a chance to visit all but Evansville, Missouri State, and Drake during the conference season, and the facilities in the Valley are a night and day difference from what we see a lot in the Horizon League. Mm-hmm. Um much of uh, and in a night and day difference from the arc here Loyola which probably has the most similar arena in the valley to the arc just dropped uh 18.5 million dollars on a practice facility they're getting ready to break ground on in the last year 
has anything changed in regards to facilities? You know, you talked about a rec center needs to come first, need some major donors there. I guess kind of how has uh, the facility talk evolved since you're now in a new league with, with some of these places that are just immaculate? Yeah, our, our facility needs have not changed from when we talked last year. Um, we need to put up a rec center. Um, we know what a rec center would look like here. We know where it would go. We know approximately what it would cost, or not approximately. We have a good idea what it would cost. We also know we could put it up in, in phases um, so that we could do it in, 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 in pieces. So that needs to be the first thing. Um, I've said this the whole time I've been here. Does the arc need to be modernized? There's no question. I don't think anybody that would walk in would say, hey, this doesn't need to be modernized. And um, we're getting a better sense of what exactly that means and what that will mean. Um, you know, it's interesting you'd, you'd mentioned Loyola, who's getting ready to um, – the, the article I read was $17 million, but $17, 18000000 million. Um, um, I'll but, take the extra. Right? I'll take the extra. <laughs> right. million, but I don't know if you read the whole article. Fourteen million dollar yeah, gift from, from one, one person. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The university's on the hook for one to two yeah. million dollars, and uh, Alan Newville, I think his yeah. name is. Yeah. And he was the same one that gave the lead gift to to renovate the Gentile Center, which I think was a well, it was a big number. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to say, but it was a big big number. So wh- when you have um, when you have um, supporters or alumni or boosters that will give those types of gifts. I was was the men's team at Southern. I looked at a really nice, they have a, it's a combination academic um, center weight room um, that was really nice. Well, I was talking to their AD. Well, one guy gave $4 million. That's what built, put it up. So when you can find people that have that kind of passion for what you do and were willing to make those kind of investments, then things can go much quicker. Um, So that's how they're able to do that. So I'm hopeful. I'm still hopeful. We are actively um, talking to people about let's go back to the rec center because I do think that's critical. We, we need to get things out of this building. I mean, that's what that's our biggest problem. There's too much in this building. It's not fair um, to our students in general. I mean, to not have recreational space. When there's home basketball games or even when the visiting teams want to practice the night before stuff, well, that shuts down intramurals. So, um, you know, um, we need to get that. We need to create more space and get that that part of it off the table and get that done. And we are actively out there um, talking to people, looking for people to, to make that happen. And, and and if there's somebody out there like Mr. Norville who would like to give us $14 million, we would <laughs> – yeah, I, 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 yeah. My 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 numbers online. You can. Um, I'm easy to get hold of. <laughs> the expansion has been a hot button topic every year. It seems like, and obviously Valpo, you know, moved into the valley and and all of that. Um, there was a lot of talk last year. The valley, uh, you know, seemed to flirt with the idea of adding one, two, possibly three teams. Do you have a sense of where things stand now? Are there still ongoing talks with this stuff? I've not. I've not heard any additional conversations about. Um, w- what the number may be. Um, I've not been involved. Um, there, there are AD meetings coming up here in a week, and um, then there'll be some later on in the spring. But um, to my knowledge, there's been no conversations about about the league being a different number. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, right now um, our whole focus is on we, we need to continue to get better here. We need to get better here. So whether there's 10 teams, whether there's, I guess it would be this way, whether there's nine teams to compete with or 11, we still we need to be better, and that needs to be our focus. And, uh, you know, we're so thankful that you take the time to join us today. I've got a a final personal question here. Uh, You've been here for 14 years now. 
I think you can officially be described as Valpo's longtime athletic director. <laughs> well, Bill Steinbrecher was here for 25. Well, uh, no, so I know. I know. But, but currently, I mean, you've okay. been here. You've been here long enough. I know that I've got two jobs right now that I've been around the same amount of time, and there are days when it just feels like a constant kind of repeat, a grind. Um, what keeps this job fresh for you? And, and, and how do you come up with new ways to tackle some of these same obstacles that you deal with over time? Wow. Um, you know, that, that's easy for me to answer. Um, what keeps it fresh and what, what really brings the energy to it for me are, are the people. Um, I cannot say enough about the student athletes that we have here. Um, you know, I get there, there are 390 of them. So I, I'll be the first to admit, I can't n- necessarily identify all 390 of them, but many of them I can. And um, I know the work that they put in. I, I know what they do. I know what kind of people they are. Um, so so um, to come in every day and figure out ways that we can provide them a good experience, so that we can make their experience better, we can make their teams better. Um, and then the coaches, we have a great group of coaches, and I enjoy um, working with all of them. Um, there are times where we sit down and we have to have tough conversations um, just about things that are going on and and um, or, you know, hey, uh, you know, you're pretty close to running out of budget money. That's going to be a problem. You realize that, right? But uh, but on the whole, I mean, they're they're all focused on making our programs better. I enjoy working with all of them. I'm thrilled that Dave signed an extension. He's great to work with. Dave Giacchini is, is one of the best coaches I've been around. Um, Matt is great. Karen Avery. Um, you know, I can go down the list. Our new swim coach, Miriam McGeth, she's only been here a couple months. But her passion for swimming and what she's brought to our program um, uh, you know, people like Dave Gring and, and golf and Tammy Chikini. I just go down the list uh, at women's tennis. They're just, they have a passion for what they do. So it's a lot of fun to be around. And then lastly, um, well, I just say lastly, then I've got some great administrators to work with. Um, I would say Mark Heckler has really been, um, I don't know if Mark gets the, um, the credit that he really deserves for um, the way he's moved the athletics department forward. Um, Michael Joseph is great. And then some of the people that I just, I mean, Velpo alums. I mean, when I, when I get up with some of them, you can tell I'm getting excited already, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, you just talked about the hall of fame. Well, I'd never met Tom Byrne, but he, he and his family, what a great, I mean, wow. How can you not like people like that? How can you not be energized to be around them? Or, or we just had our athletic advisory board meeting. It's a group of uh, former student athletes that come together twice a year, and they advise me, and they they advise the president. What a great group! Um, they were here, and and to be with them and to see their passion for the school. So, um, I'm sorry, that was a way long answer. But the people here are really <laughs> getting me excited. They really do. Uh, yeah, well, thank you very much for taking the time, Parker. And you I get to anything? do this. I want to say to the people, <laughs> and I get to sit here with you, Paul Orrin, and Parker, Parker Gatewood. Gatewood. And I should mention, you didn't say, I am Mark LaBarbera, and I am Velpo, uh, uh, Velpo AD. So, yes, um, at Valpo at AD Vel- at on, Twitter, on Twitter, Mark Twitter, LaBarbera. So. And uh, always, always uh, a good follow on Twitter as well. Champion in tweeting. <laughs> yeah, champion in tweeting. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so Parker, Valpo at Drake on Saturday. And uh, yep. Valpo's locked into the number 10 seed in the conference tournament. They're going to play either Indiana State or Missouri State. We'll figure that out on uh, on Saturday if Indiana State wins. I think they're – I don't you know. I don't even remember how it, it all shakes out. Right. I think uh, – if Indiana State needs to win and Missouri State needs to lose, and then Valpo would play Missouri State, and if any one of those things goes differently, it's Valpo, Valpo and stay in put. Valpo stay in put. They'll play eight thirty Thursday night, and then if uh, they can be victorious there, chances are they get Southern Illinois in the in the two 
7-10 game the following day, uh, chance for Southern Illinois or Illinois State. So uh, we're 85 conference games into the season. The number one and number 10 seeds have been determined. There are five more games to go that will determine seeds two through nine. So it's uh, – it, it kind of feels like the Horizon League, where you, <laughs> nothing is uh, nothing is figured out. So, uh, Parker, you and I will be back to this preview Arch Madness next week. Uh, Mark and Barbara, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. having me.